This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. 1-0 defeat at uh, home to Cardiff at the weekend. It gave us some uh, total of five points in the last 10 games. One, one, drawn two, lost seven, four straight defeats in a row. Uh, goal difference of minus nine. Um, inevitable, but the timing might have been a bit of a shock, yeah? Ian? In the sense that I didn't think Steve Lansdowne would sack him, yes. In the sense that my honest belief is he should have gone a while ago, and I'm not going to change from that. It's a little bit, you know, I've been, some of the eulogies have been really, really overstated. I mean, I thought the sports editor from the Evening Post was going to commit Harry Carey on the steps of the Colston Hall. I mean, yeah. dear me. You know, all right, look, let me, let me tell you what I've got. I may have a slightly different view of this. When Lee's got the sack, Lee's going to get something approaching £1.5 million. And they will either get it over the next three years, or if I know Steve Lansdowne and how much he, he loves him, he'll cut him a cheque for it or find some way of paying it into a pension fund so he doesn't pay a great deal of tax or something like that. Whereas most managers, Chris Hewton, for example, are, are getting paid while they look for another job. And as soon as they get another job, they stop getting paid. That seems to be the way it works these days, whereas years ago it was different. So when Gary yeah. Johnson left, got a whacking great payoff. All right? Now, yeah. Steve was the guy that, that gave him a four-year contract last year when, when people were calling for his head then. And I think that was Steve Lansdowne's way of, A, expressing confidence to Lee, and B, saying to the fans, it's my call, it's my club, and if I want to give him a four-year contract, I will, because I'll have to pay for it. Well, guess what? Now he is. Now, yeah. I've got friends of mine who are going to lose their job soon, and some already have, and it's going to run into millions of people if we're not careful. They will yeah. get three-fifths of five-eighths of bugger all is what they'll get. So, no, I, I don't feel sorry for the guy. I think he got a fantastic opportunity. It For me, it was too early in his career and it was on the back of a bang average, lower lower league managerial record. Bang average. Yeah. yeah. And and at the end of the day, I'm sorry, but with the average tenure of a championship manager being nine months, to get four and a half years and not be able to do it, and do, by do it, I mean 
get in the playoffs or get promoted. I think the last thing that he can say is, well, look, I don't really think I've had a, fa- uh, a fair crack of the whip. That yeah. that would be my take on it. And I'm not feeling yeah. sorry for a guy just walking away with an absolute ton of dough and a massively enhanced reputation. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're having a few problems getting a couple of people uh, who are supposed to be in with us getting online for some reason. Uh, that's Pete and uh, Paul. Ah, XR Robin is now coming into the room, so I'm going to connect him. But uh, one question, uh, Andrew over in, if I think it's the Andrew I know, over in uh, Stoke Bishop, he, I'll put this question to, uh, to you, Ian. How much do we hold the players accountable for poor performance? And who is up there, i.e. not showing commitment on the play, on the pitch? Are some of these players accountable for Lee Johnson's demise? I'll put that one to you, Ian. I'll put the same question to uh, Exiled Robin Paul. But first of all, you, Ian. Do, do the players have any accountability? Well, I, I think that what, they, what they've got is contracts. And uh, people say, well, you know, OK, you've got to blame the players as well. You have got to blame the players as well. Because I'm sure Lee Johnson didn't sign Jada Silva on the basis that he couldn't cross a ball or he struggled yep. to pass it, but he signed him. So, yep. yeah, and he had, a, had the player on loan for a long time before that. Same thing yes, applies right. to Casey, Casey Palmer. So it's not a question of, well, you know, I've signed the bloke and all of a sudden he can't cross a ball. Um, so yes, the players have to take responsibility, and I think we've got ourselves in a, in a bit of an awkward position at the moment, where in in next summer we will have eight or ten really good players out of contract. Yeah. So one of the things that whoever the new manager has to do when he comes in is he inherits that, and then he says, right, first of all he's got to do is right who's going to stay. And yeah. it needs to be done quickly. Who's going to stay? Do you want to stay? Do you want to go? Right. You, you're not signing the new contract. Get your agent in. Okay. Fam, Jiju, Jiju Eliasson, Nathan Baker's out of contract next summer. Yeah. Um, I think Zach Viner's out of contract unless he signed yeah. another one before. Well, there's a lot of work out. to so, do for the new. There's a lot of work to do for whoever comes in. Let me give XR Robin a shout since he's come into the room and. Uh, Paul, um, I started off by saying the timing came as a bit of a surprise, actually. I mean, did, 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 the, did the timing surprise you? Uh, a little bit. Um, I think the state of the game this season has always been the playoffs, hasn't it? And I think, obviously, yeah. after Saturday, that wasn't going to happen, definitely, um, barring a ridiculous set of results. I think the suddenness of it probably did. But I, I, I guess, yeah, internally at the club, I suspect there was obviously some discussion after the first uh, first couple of defeats after lockdown that, you know, if we are, as and when we are not in the playoff race, that's going to be it. And I, I do suspect, I wonder if the, the short summer is going to have anything to do with that decision as well, because there's not going to be a lot of time for a new man. Well, Whereas actually now, you might have yeah. a few, you know, three or four games for someone to get in and have a look at the squad, as Ian was saying, see what's there, assess what they might need, and then have literally just four or five weeks to, to sort of turn something around. Well, that's interesting. You make, you make, it's interesting you make that point about the timing of somebody coming in. I'll just ask you that same question that I said uh, of, uh, of Ian that had been asked by uh, Andrew. Do you think the players carry any accountability for it? You hear that oft-used term, lost the dressing room. But, no. you know, they didn't look like they'd been they – they didn't seem on it in any of the games, bar maybe that opening half against Forest. But should the players be accountable in any way? 
they, they obviously are to an extent, but I, I didn't really see any sort of loss of dressing room attitude at all. I think we were we were, we were being set up by Lee Johnson to play in a certain way. I think the players were trying to play that. Um, I think there's a there's a lack of confidence, and uh, it's being clear one thing Lee Johnson hasn't been able to do over the last four years is end the losing run, and you know he's obviously still struggling with that. We're still not able to get out of these ruts we get in. Uh, I think there's a lack of confidence. I think we've got a reasonably good squad, but I think we've got quite a samey squad. I don't think we've got a huge amount of yeah. difference in it for someone to come in yeah. and spark it. Um, and I also wonder, yeah, don't get me wrong, I'm very much on the more sympathetic side of Lee Johnson than Ian is and uh, have a lot of, have a lot of uh, feelings for him and the work he's put in. But he's also not been afraid to throw players under the bus. And I think that eventually that leads to players not wanting to take too many risks and yeah. being ner- being nervous and edgy on the pitch. And yeah. you, know, you saw Jack Hunt made a pretty bad mistake in the game again, Sheffield Wednesday hours, wasn't it? Suddenly yeah. he's not in the squad. And I, that's got to have an effect on the squad and the players at yeah. some point in how they approach their game, even if they don't realise what they're doing. Yeah, that's man management really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, some uh, Tom Rawls contributed here. He says he didn't think uh, Lee would go until the end of the season, even with that bad result. Let's look back on his time in charge, though. It was characterised by those streaky runs. He's got that name from one of the Sky pundits. I was going to title this uh, debate The Good, the Bad and the Ugly of Lee Johnson, but uh, there's loads to talk about. So I'll go back to you, Ian, and keep it brief on here. The high point of his uh, reign, four years and four months, near enough, the high point of his reign, and what would be the bad and the ugly? So let's look at the good and what would be the bad and the ugly from your uh, perspective. And I'll ask you the same question uh, in a moment, Paul. Yeah. The good would be <clears throat> the cup run, the Man United result and the, the two games against Man City. I was proud of us then. And uh, the season when we, we pushed Bobby Reid up front, basically because we had nobody else. Everybody else was injured. Uh, and, yeah. and that really worked out. So I'd, I'd give Lee... Credit for taking uh, a bang average, uh, send him out on loan, attacking midfielder and turning him into a good centre forward that we, we sold for nine million plus an add-on we won't get. So yeah. well done for that. The downsides have been a record equaling and bearing in mind we have been the most successful club in the history of the game. A record equaling, uh, record winning, losing streak. Was it eight games on the eight, drop? We eight lost? in a row, yeah, yeah. Just like his dad, um, I think that was that was that was really bad, and and many many managers would would have would have gone after a run like that. In fact, I can't think of another club in the division uh, who would have kept him. Although he had a very similar run at Barnsley, and Mm. and their chairman hung on to him as well. So I think he's been lucky to work for two real quality guys who gave him the chance, but. And that would be the thing. And I think that would be my abiding memory would be that Bobby Reed season, if we want to call it that. Yeah. Um, and uh, could, let's let's be honest, in his, in his first 16 games, I think we looked better than we did um, under Cots, but Pembo had started that turnaround. Yeah, yeah. And, and he finished well with players that weren't his. And then in his first full season, we missed relegation by three well, points. Well, by three points, because we started well. And then that that 5-0 defeat away at Preston, which followed a pretty appalling game at Brentford, which I went to, that was the last time, uh, I think, Steve Lansdowne uh, commented after the Preston defeat, he has my full support. And it's interesting, Ian, that you say the two high points, the Bobby Reid and the Cup games, that was all in that one season, that 17-18 season. Let me ask you the same question, Paul. Abiding memory of Lee Johnson... 
and you've sort of alluded to the downside, which is throwing players under the bus. But your uh, abiding memory of uh, of um, Lee Johnson, good and bad. Yeah, I think the I mean the Man United game has been talked about by everyone, obviously, in the last twenty four hours. I think it's about a whole month though. If you look back at it, we had a great you know great win at Sheffield United in December. We'd gone, yeah. we were we were flying at the table. We beat Man United, um, and then you know you look an, an hour into the. 30th of December, when we were 1 0 up against Wolves against 10 yeah. men. And yeah. we, I must admit, I thought Ashton Gate at that moment was probably louder and more rocking than it was against Man United. I think there was a real, we, yeah. were, we, we were on the up. There was a real feeling. And we were saying, Wolves, we, we were chanting, Wolves, we're going to get you. And look, coming for you. Yeah, look where they are now and where we are. Yeah. And then, so, uh, yeah, yeah, and it just seemed to turn from there. But yeah, in terms of other points, I think Fulham, obviously, a couple of wins at Fulham, both seasons. Let's not forget, it was only. Three months ago, in terms of relative season, we were third in the league, having won at Fulham. So I think we've got to be a bit realistic with this uh, baiting and badgering of, of the poor form. We've been up there this season. It's, it's fallen away since then, undoubtedly. And he hasn't, again, as I said, shown that ability to turn it around. I think in terms of the ugly, I think, for me, I'm just a little bit sad in a way that how it's dwindled out this season. It seems to have sort of slowly petered out rather than anything that's gone dramatically wrong. We've just, we've lost that identity talked about. We haven't really got an identity We've lost that energy and the press. And even last year, you saw signs of it with certain players and it's not, not really happened this year. And it just sort of slowly got worse. And the, I think the telling thing is that most people's favourite memories are away games, apart from the old cup game. Yeah. Most, uh, they're, they're the away games. And I think that's the telling story as well. But at home, for two years now, we haven't really done that well or been very well, entertaining. That's it. I think it's 19 wins, maybe 20 out of 53 games now. And for me, yeah, you, I mean, the Man United game forever in the memory that'll be in your top five in 50 years the, mm. when uh, when when Corey potted it and Joe Bryan's opener in that one in fairness but uh, you know I would say the ugly has been the mixed fortunes in the transfer market more bad than good I would say and really and truthfully I haven't enjoyed the Ashton Gate experience on the pitch yeah behind the scenes great the Ashton Gate experience on the pitch since that season, you know, when it all mm. seemed to go Pete Tong from uh, from there. Okay, now looking forward then, I mean, it was interesting, it was interesting that, that it was said that Dean Holden taking charge until a replacement is found, which by that statement suggests it's somewhere, it will be before the end of the season, but Gregor McGregor is saying, uh, has said in the press today that the vibes are that they're going to take their time. Now, as somebody said, I think, on the fans' forum, in a, the only rationale for taking their time is that would we get, would we get Eddie Howe or Dean Smith if they both get binned by their respective clubs when they get relegated? So let's look at the timing. Um, let's look at the timing of that. Um, uh Eddie Howe or Dean Smith, if either of them got sacked, maybe even Steve Bruce, if uh, if Newcastle got new ownership. Let me go to you, Ian. If Eddie, is it worth waiting for those two, or would come on to the broader selection? But Eddie Howe or Dean Smith, would they be on a? Would you want them if they did become available? And they're the only ones that are worth waiting for, because all the other managers, you know, are pretty much available now, aren't they, Ian? Yeah, well, I would I, I take your point on Steve Bruce um, as well. You, you've got those guys, but unfortunately, without a crystal ball, you, you don't know if they will indeed be available. Now, if I was Bournemouth, 
and getting relegated, as it looks like they will, I wouldn't get rid of Eddie Howe because he's got him up before. He'll get him up again, I'm sure of it. And and they play nice football. Now, how many of his best players he'll be able to hang on to um, is, is, is another question because as soon as clubs get relegated, the vultures come around and they pick off players. And, and we're no different. We'll do the same with players in League One and League Two. Yeah. Um, so you you could wait, yeah, and and lose the guy that's available now. Let's let's call that guy Chris Hutton for the time being. Yeah, you could you could wait, lose Hutton now, and then not get not get any of those, and then you're you're panicking and panicking, and then that at that point, that's when you go for I'll be kind and call it a cheaper option, but it's a less experienced in the championship yeah. option. It, you know, you're Ryan Lowe, you're Mark. Well, let's come on. Let's come on to some of those people in a minute. like that. Let me ask. Let me ask. Let me ask Paul the same question. Um, do you, Do you feel, Paul, that we should really be getting on with it? And I think you said right at the beginning of this broadcast, the close season could be a very short window. There's talk that yeah. 2021 season could start on the 29th of August. That's only uh, where is it nine five weeks after City's last fixture against Preston North End. My view would be. You know, it would be good to get somebody in who could at least be watching from the stands from, say, the Stoke game and maybe taking charge for the last two. So, Eddie Howe, and as somebody just said on our feed here, that's if Eddie Howe or Dean Smith wanted to come here, if they were fired. Yeah. But would you be moving <laughs> and hoping to get somebody on board before the last two games of the season? Yeah, I think I think I would. I, I mean, let's be on. Eddie, Eddie Howe and Steve Bruce aren't coming anywhere near us, let's be honest. They're... they're they're going to look for bigger jobs than us. If we were a, a relegated Premier League team in the Championship, it might be a different issue. But we're not. They're not. Yeah. They're not there. Eddie Howe is still favourite to be the next England manager, by the way. Yeah. So uh, he's he? uh, he's not coming he's here. He's certainly not. Uh, going to come. <laughs> uh, right. No, I think we've got to go. I think we've got okay. to move on. I think okay. We, no. So that's so you're, you're as I am keen to keen to get it moving. Such a big season. Sorry, Paul. No, say we've got such a big season that. Next season, and we've got, we've got, we're, we're, my worry is we're starting to get towards having a very bloated, expensive squad again, which is what we had last time we got relegated. Yeah. And I, you know, we haven't really had that for a while. And I just, you know, the, sign, the signing Naki Wells we all wanted in the, in January, we all want Benekophobia there, which is all very well. But those guys and Callas and uh, Bentley, even and people like that, they, they're coming on big wages now compared to what we've been used to paying. And it's, yeah, yeah, we've got a date of oh, 22, right. 24, right. very, very well-paid players on the books that need to, need to perform. Yeah, well, we have. We have. I mean, let's look at the runners and riders. Now, I put a thread on uh, OTIB today. I said I would be underwhelmed if it was one of these four. Ryan Lowe, Richie, Ryan Lowe at Plymouth, Richie Wells at uh, Swindon, Mark Robbins at Coventry, and, uh, and one of the favourites. I'm looking at Skybet as well, Mark. Michael Flynn, they would leave me underwhelmed. Um, let's look at the runners and riders on Skybet. I'm looking at it now. Michael Flynn over at Newport, he's 11 to 10 favourite, according to that. Closely followed by Chris Hutton, Ita Karanka, Steve Gerrard, Mick McCarthy. And then if you go down, what was it? A 25 to 1 shot won the derby, I think, last week. Uh, Ashley Williams, really? I know he was training, but you've got your Carlos Calvajals, your Phil Browns. Uh, Steve McLaren, God help us. But down there is is, is David Wagner. Let me let me ask you, uh, Ian. Go back to you, Ian. Over what you know, if it was Hutton or Jovanovic for me, either of those, I'd think 
that's great. But those other four that I mentioned, they're bright up and coming, but they've not done it at this level. Ian, who would your who would your shortlist be and why? I, I my shortlist would be some guys that aren't available. Uh, disagree with Paul about being able to get players. I mean, if you look, you've got Hewton, but the problem is he's probably probably still being paid by Brighton and being paid a lot of money. Um, other managers will come here if we pay them the money because yeah. they love, they all love a project, don't they? That's what you've got to talk about in football these days, the project. We've got a fantastic yeah. ground all bar one end. We've got a, a, an owner who's about the 120th richest man on the planet. We've got a five or six million pound training ground that's going to be finished. And we've, we've got a, a, a squad of players that are underachieving. Um, so if, if you look at the club as a package... I think we're a pretty attractive package. We're not up to our necks in debt. We haven't. We're not going to get done for financial fair play. We're not going to get points deducted or anything like that. So, you know, I, I think we we could have our choice of managers. But as other people have quite rightly said, those managers need to be available. Now, I yeah. t- if we could get Hewton, um, I'd take him now. Steve yeah. Lansdowne could say to a manager, right, I'll pay you a million pounds a year. Not a problem. If you get us in the Premier League, I'll give you I'll a give four you million, million pound. Yeah, I'll give yeah. you no four million. I'll give oh. you a four million pound bonus. Right. Now, yeah. You know, so back your ability. If that's not back your ability. Back your ability to get us up. Yeah. 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 yeah that's what we want. No, to I mean, it's None of this. Dave, Dave, uh, Dave just pointed out just to pick up what you said about Hutton. Hutton's payoff from Brighton expired uh, at the end of uh, last month, so he's off Lovely. the payroll there now. Brilliant. Is a good um, is a good positive from uh, that point of view, but I mean he could he could Hutton might be more attracted to be a manager of the second city team Birmingham City, even though I would say there that's a little bit of a hornet's nest of financial shambles. Shambles, um, Paul. Who would well, be in, on, uh, in, in the sense your, that their owner was in jail, Dave? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Paul, who would who would your uh, shortlist of three be? Of which any one of them you'd be happy for them to. Uh, uh, take the position in the dugout or on the bench going forward. Uh, I think it's an interesting fork in a road, isn't it, for the club? I, I, you know, you do you go for that experienced man as a sort of punt to get up in the side twelve months, twenty four months, or do you look up and coming? I must admit, Mark Robbins, I wouldn't be averse to. I think he's done a tremendous job down at, at the other commentary, and and obviously has links with us in, in the past. Chris Hutton seems a natural one. I think yeah. you know, there's, there's been some talk about his style of play and what it is, but. I mean, let's be perfectly frank, the style of play, again, at home games hasn't been great in the last four months anyway, so it's not as if we're going to be moving from an exciting, passing, zippy style of football to, to something more attritional, but he'd, uh, he'd certainly get us organised, which we need. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's any one of any one of ten names next, isn't it? You know, you've got the likes of McCarthy or Jokanovic, who've got experienced hands, or you've, you've got these up-and-coming ones. I think the one that would really underwhelm me would be Dean Holden, and I don't think we'd go down that route, but we have done it before. At key points, if you look at Milan, you look yeah. at Tinian. I mean, if he won, um, if he won five games, if he won the last five games, and he was mooted to be the older manager and a bold manager, which are both in his native northwest, but that would be, as you say, typical Bristol City. If we were to, uh, if we were to do that, um, I think uh, Pete uh, has joined us. Uh, Tyler sex up. Uh, it says he's connected. Are you in the room, Pete? Are you there? No, it says yeah, he's connected, and I've tried to let him in. Are you there, Peter? Well, I'm, I'm unmuted now, I think. 
you're unmuted. We can hear. Peter, you've joined us sort of towards the, well, I, I guess what is the key thing about his replacement. And uh, Ian and Paul have both sort of mentioned the positives of getting Hewton, um, maybe a Mark Robbins. Two names they didn't mention that are on my list here for, for different reasons. Um, Paul Cook of Wigan, how would he be as a shout, Peter? And then Mick McCarthy, who always cast with him, a former ex-City player, Terry Connor, nice bloke, I've met him a number of times, but how would you feel if either Paul Cook of Wigan, who would look like they're going to get relegated with a points deduction, uh, or Mick McCarthy were to uh, sit in the uh, Ashton Gate hot, hot seat? How would you feel about either of those two? I think underwhelmed. I, I think underwhelmed. Yeah. What, either of those? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think that, um, that the point that was raised earlier about Pat Lamb and Bristol Rugby is absolutely the blueprint that we need to follow and let's think yeah. about this who would yeah. so who would be manager? who, who, who do you think it is then is it Hewton is it Hewton or nobody no, no I, I, I would look abroad to be fair because who has heard of the Wolves manager prior to him arriving at Wolverhampton who had heard of the guy that's taken over from Brentford and I think we've got to do our research diligently and well and to be yeah. fair I think there are a host of European coaches out there yeah. Um, that would be um, very willing to step into the, if you like, the bear pit of the championship. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that we've got to look abroad, perhaps to somebody who hasn't got a history, and, and just even mentioning the Mark, Mick, Mick McCarthy moment. I mean, if, if we know that football is a game for adolescents. It's played in an adolescent frenzy and, you know, with relationships souring all over the place. And look what happened to Ipswich Town when they got rid of Mick McCarthy. Yeah. And we've got to be really careful that this isn't our Mick McCarthy moment. Yeah, so, getting rid of him. All to play for. How, how, how do you feel? You talk about foreigners. You talk about foreigners coming in. The championship, I think, is important. So what if it was Jokanovic or Wagner, either of those two, which have both taken sides up from the championship? to the Premier League, which is better yeah. than... I've yeah, I, I think it, you've refreshed my memory about Wagner. And I think, yeah, that's quite, a, quite an interesting, uh, interesting combination. But beware of the foreigner, because although, you know, they may be successful, this means that our youth policy is going to be toast. Uh, there were two youngsters mentioned recently as coming into our uh, first-team squad, Benayum, um, a midfielder and a, and a forward, both 16, 17 years old. So, you know, bear in mind what's happened to morale. You know, we've really got to be careful about this. And there's got to be a coach put in place, not a manager. And the, and the instruction has got to be from Steve Lands down is that we need to have the youth development. We must have Bristol players in that next squad. Yeah. OK. Ian, um, well, your, what's your view on the foreign coach option? Well, if you look at what uh, the best example I can give you is what Fosen did. Fosen have got more money than God, um, and they decided... This is, that, the backer, this is the backers of Wolverhampton Wanderers, Fosen's yeah, sports it, agency. Yeah. It, exactly right. They, they've, as a business, they've got assets of something like $39 billion or something like yeah. that. So they decided that they'd buy a football club, but they didn't know anything about football. Okay, so unlike the vast majority of chairmen who thought, I'm a genius, they got in bed with an agent who had the players, the contacts, the manager. So that's how um, 
That's how that. That's how Wolves signed. Uh, uh, was it Nunez, the Portuguese guy, and that agent you're talking about there is uh, Jorge Mendes, correct? Correct. Correct. So you've got Mendes, and that's how they got the manager. That's how they got the really brilliant players on loan, and that's how they got promoted. That and a spine of good English players and playing three at the back. Yeah. Now. Yes. Okay, sorry, sorry, I just want to put a comment in there. Paul, you've just uh, added a little text message there. You say you want a manager, not just a coach. Someone who comes in and challenges Mark Ashton on transfers and recruitment. I mean, again, Lee's carrying the can for the failure, yeah? Somebody to challenge Mark Ashton, yeah? But Mark Ashton is part of the model, you know, of... He's well. He's chief executive. He's not director of football. He's chief executive, not director of football. But yeah, you know, some of these more experienced managers, they might look and challenge him, and that might destabilize things. So, just expand on your uh, your, your statement in that uh, message you sent me, Paul, about someone who's going to come in and challenge Mark Ashton because you know he's fast. There was a there was a thread on Otib today that I read it in the first thirty seconds. I thought. Really? And then I realised that it was a wind-up. But um, if anybody <laughs> reads Mark Ashton Speaks on OTIB, you'll see what I mean. But sorry, back to you, Paul. Somebody right. comes in and challenges Ashton. Yeah I, I mean, I, yeah, I think there's a lot of questions need answering about our current structure and how we do things. I think, you know, there's, Mark Ashton is in charge of recruitment. He's, he's stated that on Radio Bristol interviews and different things before. He has a recruitment team. He has the coaches. He's never replaced Mervyn Day, who was got rid of well, nearly a year ago. He's a very, very good, without a shadow of a doubt. He's an excellent commercial operator. He's a very good CEO. I don't, I'm not got a, a, word, a bad word I can say about him in that sense, in, in, in lots of ways. But I just, it feels like he's maybe trying to step too far with what he's trying to do on recruitment. And we obviously get targets of players or types of players. I think he provides then a short list. I've got, you've got a question based on the signings of the last two years, mm. what, 18 months. How good are those shortlists? And if that's all the manager's got to choose from, there's only so much a manager can do. And I know Ian slightly disagrees on this. We had plenty of uh, debates on Twitter, but I think it's just let's let's question it. Let's look at it. Is as you would in any business, if you've just basically failed on what you believe is a five-year project to achieve your aims, which you could argue we have, then you don't just look at one man and say that's it. We'll carry on as we were and hope for the best. You need to look at all areas of a club and how we're yeah. doing it. And yeah. I'm not saying we want to overhaul it, but you might want to tweak it. You might want to look yeah. at bringing in a proper director of football or recruit, head of recruitment at least, yeah. rather than the bloke who's trying to also run the club and run it commercially, yeah. trying to be in charge of it. Now, it's interesting you say bring in a director of football distinct from a chief executive, because Peter, you said to me, you said to me over the weekend when we were talking that, you know, if, if Lee had that, you know, he is a bright up and coming coach, which it's gone wrong for him here. But, if you said to Lee, Lee, we're going to bring in somebody above you. We want to totally restructure it, but we don't want you to go. This is for Peter. Yeah, and I've got another question for Ian in a moment. But for Peter, is would Lee have been too proud to have accepted some advice? Is he so sure of himself that he'd view that as a slight? Because we all remember John Ward, this is going back 24 years, or 20, 23 years, when he got promoted, he said he needed help. And he was big enough to say he needed help. And he wanted to bring in Ray Harford. Yeah. Um, Scott Davidson went out and brought in Benny. 
in not Scott, Scott yeah, it was Scott Davidson then. And equally, a few years ago, I think it was when Brian Tinian he needed help, and he was left with Keith Millen. So, so um, Peter, restructuring the coaching, you know, saying Mark is chief executive, director of football, or replace the yeah. coaches. You know, what? Just expand on that. Peter. No, we've lost Peter. Ian, can you hear me, Ian? Yes, I can. Yeah, you're there. Ian, let me go on to the next question I had. In his final press conference, and he has said, Lee was bleating a little bit about having to sell players, yeah? Having to mm -hmm. sell players. And we look at Brentford, who sold. They, they've applied a similar policy and are obviously doing it significantly better than we are. But let's look at the players that he's had to sell. I'm just going to rattle off uh, six names here. Uh, Reed, Flint and Brian, the mainstay of the 17-18 side, they all wanted to play at a higher standard. And it's no coincidence that none of them, in my opinion, either they were tired or they were just thinking about where they were going in the summer. But he sold those three, right? So I, I don't think he's got a case there. Lloyd... Webster and Brownhill, big tick in the box for all of those. If you look at what he paid for them and what they sold, what well, came through the academy. But, you know, this this selling players, uh, uh, Ian, every manager bar about six clubs in the world, they're a selling club if the right offer comes along. And if a player wants to go, you, you can't keep unhappy players, can you? No. And all, the, all of the players you've named wanted to leave the club. Yeah. All of them. And I know two of them re reason reasonably well personally and they wanted to go and they wouldn't have come back under Lee because Bobby had a chance to, to come back in the last transfer window and went to Fulham instead. Yeah. Now, I, I, I'm my own view is that um, if a player wants to better himself, so... Adam Webster, let's take an example, signed him for three and a half million, sold him for 20 million. As Lee Johnson described it to me, it, it was it was 20 million plus, plus, plus. So it was yeah. 20 million plus add-ons, right? So we sold, bought, signed him for three and a half million. We had to give Ipswich 20% of the profit. Yeah. Uh, but we still finished up with a tidy amount of money. Now, yeah. every club in the EFL, bar none, has to do that. And most clubs in the Premier League. Yeah. Okay? They do. And even if you're Liverpool and Barcelona come in for Coutinho, he goes because he yeah. wants to. And I saw Adam Webster play a friendly before he left. And I wouldn't have give you two quid for him. Or no, you were talking about the 5 nil home defeat against Crystal oh, Palace. where he, yeah, he, no, that was... and, and because there weren't many fans there, you could hear some of the conversations going on between the touchline and Adam Webster. And I literally, I wouldn't have give you 50 grand for Webster, never yeah. mind about 20 million. So yeah. I, I think this thing about selling his best players it is it's an absolute urban myth because yeah. if they'd have made him sell his best players and said, right, you've sold Adam Webster, now you've got to play Zach Viner. Now you've got to play Taylor Moore. Oh, and by the way, Cameron yeah. Pring is going nowhere because he's playing left back. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Then I'd say, yeah, fair play. He's that, that, and he's he's that had to you... operate. He's had to operate within the uh, 
the, the, the guidelines laid down. He has been backed in the transfer market. There's no doubt about that. Okay, um, let's, 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 let's start to look forward now. Next game is against Hull. I'd put 50 quid on us to win that one. Yeah, um, I really do think that. Um, Dave Fevs, if you want to dial in, you can. Um, I think I said you, you tried to get Hulk. Fevs is connecting. So uh, let's bring Fevs in on this as well. Um, let's look forward, right? We get a new man on board. Let's assume, let's assume that we decided that Ryan Lowe was the choice. Would Ryan Lowe have a free hit next season, right? Rather than if you get Hewton in, we'd expect immediate results. Would Ryan Lowe get a free hit? And we might see the likes of, as you say, Cameron Pring, Walsh, Morrell, Backinson, Johnny Smith, Taylor Moore, stake a claim to prove how good they are. Let me put that question back to Paul because he's been waiting patiently in the background. Yeah, Is there a higher expectation if we get a Hewton over a Ryan Lowe? Paul? Yeah, yeah, I think there is. Um, and I think that's an interesting point of the young players. We've got you know, six, seven of them out and about who are looking like they might come into their first team reckoning. But, you know, then it depends what the objective is. If Hewton comes in with the objective of finishing top two and get promoted, I can't imagine he's going to want to fully commit to the prospect of playing the likes of Baconson and Smith and people like that. You know, maybe one or two might come through. But, you know, if... If you bring in someone like a Lowe or a Robbins or a Paul Cook and say, right, okay, let's have a solid year. Let's bring some of these guys through, see if you think it's good enough, um, and then we'll go for it next year. That, that, that's, I think that's the fork in the road the club have to make. You know, they have to make that decision yeah. right now and decide how they're going to do it because yeah. we can't keep Morell and Walsh for another season not playing. No, no. I mean, we, and we don't know what the financial climate in football is going to look like going forward. No, you know, because no. we've, you know, I think we've achieved a lot just to wrap up this season in this division in the manner that we have done with playing the games. But, you know, what money is going to be available? Um, OK, turnstile money is but a small part of total income. But, um, OK, um, are you still with us there, uh, Pete? If I can come to you on, on that. Are you still there, Peter? Yes, Peter, would you, if they appointed Ryan Lowe, which many would say is the cheap option, and say, look, we're giving you a free hit uh, this coming season. Uh, we want you to blood some of the youngsters that are now 22, 23 that were bought in three stroke four years ago by Johnson. Would you give that person, a young, uh, that young manager, a free hit as opposed to Hewton, where if Hewton got the job, it's top six as a minimum, top two ideal? Your answer to that one, Peter. Difficult one, that. The expectation management that would need to go around that first option uh, from the board to the, to the, to the, to the fans would be uh, a, a really hard job because what will happen in this uh, turbulent time is that some of the clubs aren't going to be around. There's going to be some failures. There's going to be some managers looking for jobs and there's going to be players looking for jobs before we really start to mm. get back into the whole uh, gamut of the, the whole rhythm of football as it was pre-March. Um, and the expectation management around that is very difficult. Personally, I, I would like to see a, a, an experienced coach from abroad hit the ground running with nothing but a target of a promotion next year because there are some very capable players in that squad. The one thing that we lack is a man to get a good tune out of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fevs, let me bring you in and then I'll come on to uh, Ian. Fevs, um, 
experienced, a prerequisite, non-negotiable, or one of these sort of uh, up-and-coming, low Wellens, Robins types? I'm not even going to include Michael Flynn. But, Fez, do you think, you know, would you tolerate a season of consolidation? Bearing in mind, uh, Ian also reminded us how many players are out of contract in 12 months' time, yeah, and what the financial status of football will look like. What's your view on, you know, just having a, a consolidation season with not one of the well-known names in charge? What's your view on that? Yeah, I think if, if we've gone down that route of deciding that we can't bring in that name manager like a Jokanovic, like a Hewton, then we have to understand, and I think Pete said it, it absolutely spot on it's about expectation management of that new person that comes in what are you giving them what tools are you giving them with to meet those objectives and if you're going to give them you know a reasonable budget and and still want you know a, a top half finish fine you know you, you you might look at certain names rather than maybe some others i think if you're saying actually i want someone to come through and i really do want my vision of, you know, I want 11 Bristolians or 11 youth team players playing in, in, in the city team, then yeah. you, you might look to certain other, other peoples as well. And I think that's the bit we don't know at the moment. We can throw yeah. all these names about and say he's playing for the job or he's not. But actually, one, we don't know whether they're available. Two, we don't know whether they want to come here. And we, yeah. I think I, I did like Paul's comment earlier on around um, not necessarily, you know, let's you know, challenge what Mark Ashton does, but I think that the club, if they want to get the right man in, they need to maybe look at it not being all give, give, give from the new manager. And also they need to look at their own structure. And, you know, if, if it was Chris Hutton come in and say, actually, I want the recruitment talent ID team to report into me because I think that's the most important thing in a club. Yeah. You, if you want Chris Hutton, you accept it. Um, yeah. If if you say no to that, then you don't get Chris Hutton, and I think no, there's a whole absolutely. load of Chris Hutton would probably bring Chris Hutton would probably bring Paul Trollope as his assistant. Yeah. I think because he's been an assistant at Norwich and at uh, Brighton. And do you think sentiment will go out the window such that McAllister, who's Lee Johnson's mate, maybe that's why he hasn't got the caretaker job, and Holden? Do you think it's Sayonara for them, uh, Ashton Gate, whoever gets the job in? Let's say they do it in August. Would you would you say they're they're going to be going on their way as well? I'd say the likelihood is yes, they will yeah. be. Uh, but I, I guess in, in certainly in Dean Holden's uh, position, he's got something up to five games now to actually put yeah. himself, you know, in a position to to stay around or even put himself in a shop window for a job yeah. elsewhere. So I, I, you yeah, I'd get behind him for these five games. And I, I say I, I think earlier on so you, you mentioned Dave that. It might, it might be we'd, we'd like to see a new man in by Stoke. And I think you're right. I think we, the reason we've made this decision now is because we want to get a steal, you know, march on all the other clubs that might be thinking about replacing yeah. managers. And also our recruitment policy going into that very shortened window that we're going to have. Yeah, absolutely right. Five-week five uh, window. Ian, let me bring you in here. Um, we've talked about, we said about Hewton, and then we've said, you know, if Ryan Lowe got it, he maybe gets a free hit season. What about if Paul Cook came in? Yeah. Um, now, he could resign from the Wigan job just like that. Yeah. So talk about availability. But if somebody like Paul Cook came in, who for me is midpoint between the two, he's neither a big name, but neither is he a rookie. He's got a track record of promotion, albeit from one to championship. What would your view be on Paul Cook if we failed to get Hutton or Jovanovic, whatever reason, and we thought we 
can't upset the fans by going for a real rookie. What would your uh, what would your um, uh, view on Paul Cook be? Were he to get it? I think Paul Cook is an experienced <clears throat> lower division manager, and he's done okay in the championship. He's done really well with Wigan of late um, under extremely difficult circumstances, and I think he he'd walk to Ashton Gate over three fields of broken glass uh, yeah. to get the job at City. Um, in terms of expectation, my expectation next year is that we go for the playoffs because if we don't, if we yeah. have this free hit that you're talking about for a younger player, then the fans will put up with that to a point. But when we look like relegated, getting relegated because of it, no one's going to take the long-term view. No, yeah. one, no one's going to say, oh, well, you know, I know we got relegated, but then again, we brought all the young kids in and they're, they're all there because what happened is you get relegated and you lose your best players again. Yeah. So if we're, if we're going to move forward and that there's only one way to, to move in any business and that's forward. If you try yeah. and stand still, you'll go backwards. So if we're going to move forward, you go out and you get the best possible guy you can. You say, right, your job is to get us promoted. Yeah. And during the presentations they do, you say, okay, you take over at Bristol City tomorrow. This is Have a look at the players you've got and you devote they'd have prepared something, whether it's on PowerPoint or Visio or whatever, and say, right, this is what I do, and these are the players that you've got. I'll get rid of these 10, and and this is a good idea we're bringing in somebody now. I'll get rid of these. We're going to have a very, very short pre-season in transfer window. I don't yeah. think that we're amazing. All this stuff about, oh, there's going to be no money around. I really don't get that, because all we've missed out on, really, is some commercial revenue, and um, Five, five or six home game revenues, which is a pain, but it's not. Another day, yeah, yeah. It, you know, we, we've we've not missed out that yeah. much to stop it, and and we're going to have to sell players if they won't sign new yeah. contracts, and I mean a lot. We're coming up to uh, 45 minutes. It's been a really interesting discussion. I've just got one thing for each of you guys, and certainly uh, Ian and uh, and and Peter will know this. I've always subscribed to the view that we've got too many average players and not enough stars. And let me explain what I mean by this. If you look at the 11 players that start and the nine players that are on the bench, Bristol City could probably put out two teams of almost equal ability. Now, I think that we tend to get have 25 we've got 25 players on an average of 12 grand a week yeah whereas I think we Dave I don't know if you can hear me but all I can hear is a load of dishes <laughs> I thought it was clubs in the bag I think Dave's gone. Gloves in the bag. So, <laughs> all right. If Dave, are you still there? Do you want me to ask a couple of questions? <laughs> right, I'll ask you. What Dave's getting at is: Are we signing too many bang average players, and should we spend less money? Not have ten players on ten grand a week, but perhaps have three players on twenty-five, thirty grand a week. Yes. Over to whoever wants to jump in. Agreed. That's Pete? Peter. Yeah. No, I, I tend to agree with right. that. And, and, and it is interesting the way that we seem to have 
um, you know, built our. We I think we got too many clubs in the bag, so to speak, and we ought to be relying on the three, the five, and the seven, and perhaps a sandwich of exceptional ability and uh, building a team around them. Yeah, totally agree with that, Dave. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, th- I think as well when you bring in those two or three real quality players, I think you raise the standards of everyone else. And I go back to 18-year-old Tammy Abraham, came from Chelsea, big reputation, even though he'd not really done that. And I think genuinely the players thought, I really want to play with this kid. I really want him to do well. And therefore, I'm going to raise my game for him as well. And I think that's a big part of it as well. And I, and I think actually players quite like picking up win bonuses as well, even if they're not yeah, and the I same think- as other people. Oh. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you in that respect. You should have seen the influence that Tammy Abraham had on the pitch on a couple of lads on the bench who just signed for the yeah. City, and that was Adalda, Patterson and Brownhill. Brilliant. They came as youngsters and they were agog away at Wickham watching uh, Tammy. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.